Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Welcome to another edition of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast this week. Mark Schwartz and I will break down history in Bridgewater, how the Patriots handled the Bowie Bay Sox series, and we'll also look ahead to a pivotal series against the Portland Sea Dogs and one last check-in with former Patriots and how they're doing in the Bronx. That's all coming up next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Hey there, everybody. Brandon Peltzer with Mark Schwartz. Mark, we are recording this on Sunday night. I don't know about you, but I'm still a little shaky, and that's because we just saw the first no-hitter in franchise history here at TD Bank Ballpark. Luis Severino, Sean Semple, and Ron Marinaccio combined to down the Bowie Bay Sox in the no-hit effort, a 7-0 win. Yeah, it was uh, a moment that has been a long time coming. This is the 23rd year of Somerset Patriots baseball, and it was a moment that I'm sure, you know, this is my seventh year with the team, and you never quite think that it's going to happen. You figure that it's an inevitability, that it'll happen eventually, but you never know when and where it's going to happen. And Brandon, we've talked, you know, a a lot throughout the course of the season that it felt like it was on its way, just with the tendency, especially in Major League Baseball and in affiliated Minor League Baseball, that no-hitters have just been you know, ramping up at such an exponential rate that eventually uh, that parade was going to find its way here to Bridgewater. And it did here on Sunday, August 8th. And it was a uh, it was a masterful performance all the way around. So close to being the first perfect game in franchise history. But we will take no hitter. <laughs> uh, we are we are certainly uh, very happy to see that happen. And, uh, you know, just to dive right into that game, Brandon. You have Luis Severino on a rehab assignment. Sean Semple uh, coming out of the pen, and he had been brilliant over his first three times back with the Patriots after he was transferred up from high A Hudson Valley. And then Ron Marinaccio finishing it off. I mean, it makes sense. You have a, a major league rehabber in Luis Severino, and then you have two Jersey guys in Semple and Marinaccio top off the uh, the first no-hitter in franchise history. Severino was brilliant. Semple was brilliant. Both of those guys, four innings, uh, no base runners, five strikeouts. And then Marinaccio allowed a one-out walk to Zach Watson in the top of the ninth inning to spoil the perfect game. Uh, But once he got the final out, a fly out from Patrick Dorian to Frederick Cuevas over in shallow right field. Uh, we Our cameras got a clip of Marinaccio, and it wasn't quite the stone face from mm-hmm. Steven Ridings and the no-hitter that Scranton threw earlier this year, but it was more of a relief exactly. for Marinaccio. Yeah, more a sigh of relief. I caught up with him really quickly after the game, and he was actually even a little relieved once there was the walk. He had a little less pressure on him, but even more so once he got the final out. And to add to the pressure here, he had about 30 family members <laughs> in the ballpark up in a suite. So you certainly want to impress them. But an all-around very special night for the Patriots. And I think, you know, for all of the fans that have been here for 20-plus years, the front office members too, this really means a lot. Yeah, it, it, it means so much. I mean, there's been so many, you know, high points in the history of the Somerset Patriots, six championships at the Atlantic League level and, and a lot of brilliant moments 
that spanned that entire history in the Atlantic League. And then, you know, the affiliation this year was certainly a high point in Somerset Patriots history. And there's been a lot of exciting moments already this year between other rehab assignments, walk-off wins, and the amount of exposure that the team's gotten this year. Uh, but to have a no-hitter as a part of that, you know, I've been here for seven years and it's so cool. We have, uh, you know, our, our president general manager, Patrick McVeary, who's been here since the beginning. We have our VPs, basically all four of our VPs, Mark Rusinoff, uh, Dave Merrick, Brian Awicki, and Matt Kopis. All of them have been here pretty much since the beginning as well. And they had never seen it. And you don't want to take moments for granted when you work in baseball, even when you win championships. You don't want to take it for granted because you don't know the next time you're going to see it. You don't know the next time that you're going to experience it. And for the team to come so close so many different times but never have it over 23 years coming into today, it just makes today that much more special. Well, what was also vitally important is that gave the Patriots a split with the Bowie Bay Sox and keeps them tied for the top record in the AA Northeast League as we turn kind of and look at the playoff push here. I mean, this is going to be huge these next few weeks. They started off this this series strong against Bowie. They won the first two games. The middle three, though, they really dropped off. Yeah, they, they certainly did. It was a strong start to the series for Somerset. You know, we were talking so much about how important this series was for, for both teams. And, you know, one of the big names was Adley Rutschman coming in, the number one prospect in all of baseball. And the first game of this series in the first inning, Adley Rutschman hit a two-run home run in his first at bat. And both of us kind of looked at each other and smiled. We're like, all right, I guess this is what we're dealing with this week. And uh, But from that point on, at least in the first two games, Somerset was in charge. They tied it up at the bottom of the first in that Tuesday night game. Luis Severino was on the mound. He only went two and a third. He looked so much better on Sunday than he did on Tuesday. Just was ripping it on Sunday. Tuesday, he was a little bit more tentative. But the Patriots found a way to win. It was highlighted by a late three-run home run from Dermis Garcia on Tuesday night. Garcia got off to a really strong start because that carried over into Wednesday's game where Somerset fell behind early but ultimately won 6-2. Garcia had his second multi-home run game of the season. Uh, Josh Bro also hit his first home run at the AA level on Wednesday night. And, you know, we were going into the uh, the next stretch of games saying, well, you know, Somerset's already taken the first two. They're in a pretty good position to take the rest of this series. And then Bowie had Grayson Rodriguez as the stopper on the mound on Thursday night. And Rodriguez was as impressive as we've seen almost any pitcher this season at TD Bank Ballpark. I, I would go as far to say that the performance we saw from Luis Severino on Sunday was probably the most impressive I've seen from any pitcher this year. But Grayson Rodriguez was still darn good uh, in his work against Somerset on a Thursday night. Bowie ultimately won that ballgame 4 to nothing. Uh, it was only the fourth time this season that the Patriots were shut out. And then the Bay Sox were able to get to the Patriots' bullpen late on Friday night with an 8-3 win. They scored five unanswered runs over the final three innings. Uh, and Somerset did put up... 11 hits in that game, but they were trailing from behind early. They walked a season-high 10 batters. It just wasn't Somerset's night. And then on, on Saturday night, the Patriots, they couldn't get their bats going. They dropped that one 3-1. to one. So going into Sunday, <clears throat> the conversation wasn't just about Luis Severino's. When are these bats going to start to pick it up again? And we saw that 
Seven runs, nine hits, a couple of home runs. They got the job done at the plate on Sunday as well as, of course, on the mound. Well, I think as we take a step back here, you kind of just took us through this six-game series. I think it's also really important to highlight the big names that we had rehabbing with the team. I mean, let's try and wrap our heads around the fact that we had four big leaguers rehabbing and wearing Somerset Patriots uniforms this week. Luis Severino made two starts. We saw Wandy Peralta carry over from uh, when he was on the road with the team this past week. Clark Schmidt made a start and potentially will stick around for next week. We're not sure about that yet. Chris Gittens played on Sunday as well, and there's potential for Gittens to stay with the team as well as have Trey Ambergy, the outfielder, come and uh, join the squad and uh, help out a little bit as he rehabs. I mean, that is incredible. Yeah, well, it's it's never to, it never hurts to have these kind of reinforcements when you have these big series against Bowie and against Portland coming up this next week. And uh, it's just so happened that all of these guys are getting ready to get back up to the major league level and they're at the stage in their rehab uh, where they can play here. I mean, for Luis Severino, he's been working his way back ever since 2019. It's been a long road for him. He had a setback in June, and it just so happened that this week, uh, when he was ready to go, aligned with an opportunity where he could make two starts here in Somerset. Peralta was placed on the injured list back in early July, and you know he wasn't on there for that long, so he lined up well with Somerset. And then, you know, for Clark Schmidt, again, another long road recovery after, you know, he had an opportunity to make the major leagues out of spring training this year. And then you have a guy, you know, potentially like Chris Gittens. It's it's just, and Trey Ambergy, it's just all aligned well for Somerset. And, and it adds this other level to these games where not only are the Patriots pushing for a playoff spot, uh, but they get to showcase some of the really exciting names in the Yankees organization. How about the fact following Severino's start on Tuesday, Aaron Boone had mentioned the plan for him was to pitch with the Hudson Valley Renegades against the Brooklyn Cyclones this Sunday. That did not happen. Instead, we're looking at history. I know we're getting a little <laughs> all over the place, but that just dawned on me. Yeah, it's a great point. It's because uh, we th we heard about that and, you know, we never want to release any information that we don't know is confirmed. So we didn't say anything. And, you know, the thought process was, well, we thought that Severino had a pretty good time here in Somerset. Uh, if he's going to be starting again on Sunday, wouldn't it make sense to have him stay in town? And that ultimately wound up being the case. And, you know, you never want to say never, but if Severino isn't the starting pitcher today for Somerset against a really strong Bowie Bay Sox lineup, you know, we might not be having this conversation. As we turn and look at uh, some of the more regular roster players for the Patriots, some really big contributions at the plate. The one name I want to highlight is Brandon Lockridge going 9 for 25 this series. That's a 360 batting average, over 400 on base percentage, and he's also reached base in 10 straight. He's really become a strong contributor at the top of the Patriots lineup. Yeah, you know, he had the power surge when he first came to Somerset and had those five home runs, and I think it was nine or, or ten days, including a multi-home run game against the Altoona Curve. Uh, but, you know, he has settled in. Diego Castillo was the leadoff man for this team over about a three-week stretch, and he was traded to Pittsburgh. And Lockridge not only has the power, but he's been getting on base as well. He has that batting average up, that on-base streak. And, you know, when he gets on base, he's able to use his wheels uh, we mentioned it on the broadcast a couple of nights ago, Brandon, but for some of our longtime listeners, fans of the Patriots going back previous to the uh, in the New York Yankees affiliation days, uh, he reminds me a lot of Justin Pacioli. He's Justin Pacioli with more power and a stronger arm. 
but in terms of the way he roams center field, the way that he runs along the bases, and the way that he can get on base, there's a lot of similarities, but Pacioli never had the power that Lockridge has, and Pacioli never had the strong arm that Lockridge has. So, you know, those tools individuate Lockridge and have him as a top 15 prospect in the Yankee system. Another name that jumps out to me is Oswald Peraza. It's a, a second guy toward the top of the Patriots lineup. He hit a uh, identical 9 for 25, 360 in this series, and he's now reached base in 8th Street, including a five-game hitting streak. And for a guy in Oswald Peraza, one of the top prospects in the Yankees system, at this double-A level, when you look month by month, he hit 253 in June in 19 games, 286 in 26 games in July. Now a really hot start through seven games in August, hitting over 350. He just keeps getting better. He does. And, you know, there was a stretch where he had been getting on base some, but the extra the extra base hits had kind of dwindled a touch. But when you're able to see him hit for power and drive the ball, because he has that as a part of his arsenal. Yes, he can get on base, and he's an excellent base runner, uh, but he has the ability and he has the power he's been working on it this year to add more power, uh, to be able to drive the ball a bit further. So what's been promising over the last three days from Peraza is not only that this on-base streak and this hit streak have continued, but if we go back to Friday night's game, he went two for three with a double in that ball game, And then on Sunday, uh, went two for four with a home run. His double on Friday night and his home run on Sunday, both going opposite field as well. We've seen him show pop towards left field, left center, but he's able to drive the ball with authority to right field as well, which is one of the many reasons why he's such an exciting prospect. Well, all told in this series, the Patriots do get a split. Maybe a little disappointing after taking the first two, but you end on one of the highest notes you possibly can. How do you think Somerset carries his forward into the uber-important series against the Portland Sea Dogs. Well, they celebrate on Sunday because they deserve to celebrate on Sunday. And then they have an off day Monday to collect themselves. And then when you're going up against this Portland you know, Sea Dogs squad this coming week, you know, we'll talk about it in our, in our next segment, but it's a team that Somerset has had success against. And I think the Patriots have gotten to this point in the season. You know, we've gotten back and forth on, oh, well, we got to find out more about this team or we're not quite sold. And, you know, we've been pumping the brakes and there's been times where we've been really excited about the squad. And there's been other times where we've been like, whoa, let's let's wait and see. But I think Somerset understands the type of team that they are at this point. And they've had these difficult series against difficult opponents. But by and large, they've either won those series or hung around at least to earn a split or be close in a lot of those games. So, you know, it it sounds cliche to say, but you go into the Portland series saying, we've already beaten this team. We know that we're strong. We've got a lot of pieces clicking. We've got rehab assignments potentially coming in to bolster our lineup, to bolster our pitching staff as well. We're good. We just got to go out there, do our thing, and, and we should, at the end of the series, be looking pretty strong. Well, a momentous night in Bridgewater to close out the series. On Sunday, August 8th, the Patriots throw the first no-hitter in franchise history. It was an incredible moment at the ballpark. And uh, when we come back in the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, we turn the page, leave that in the past, and look forward to the series against the Portland Sea Dogs. Welcome you back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Somerset coming off of a six-game set against the Bowie Bay Sox, but now we turn the page 
to the Portland Sea Dogs. And as we take a look at the standings, Portland and Somerset nearly neck and neck as we come down this home stretch mark. This is one of the most important series of the season when we look at the playoff race. It absolutely is. When the Patriots went up to Hadlock Field to go against the Portland Sea Dogs earlier this season, we talked about that as a really important series to sort of get a barometer of where the Patriots were. It was at the end of, a, I think, a three-week stretch where we were looking really closely at the Erie Seawolves, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, and, and the Portland Sea Dogs. And Somerset played well up there in Portland. They took four of six. And, uh, you know, this time around, it seems like that importance has even been elevated more because we are looking at an end of the regular season for Somerset. And right now, the Patriots and the Sea Dogs, as you mentioned, they're neck and neck. So we're looking at an end of the season that's going to go right down to the wire. And these are the last six games that the Patriots will play against Portland. And, you know, not only do you just want to distance yourself in the current time being, but you want to make sure that you walk away from this series with a tiebreaker because the way that things are progressing, there's a very real chance that we could be towards the end of the season and a tiebreaker could mean the difference between getting in the playoffs and not. Well, and the Portland team was coming off of, they had a stretch where they won 15 straight, 16 of 18. But then in this past Binghamton series, they lost three straight in the middle there. The uh, Rumble Ponies took that series and Portland really just seems like they've fallen off a bit. Now, a couple players that were with the squad played in the Olympics, so they were without Tristan Casas. Joey Manassas has since come back, but he's playing up with AAA. This Portland team has, has dropped off just a little bit as of late. Yeah, they have. Look, they were going up against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats in the back end of that huge win streak that they enjoyed. And, you know, we go back to that win streak. It was uh, two series against, well, one series against the Hartford Yard Goats, one against the Reading Fighting Phils, and then the Harrisburg Senators as well. So uh, a stretch of the schedule that really worked out well for Portland. Uh, over the last two series against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, they dropped four of six. And as you mentioned, you know, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies haven't had a great season this year, and yet they were still able to take this series over the Sea Dogs as well. But looking at the lineup and, and, and this roster for Portland, you know, I go back to that series that the Patriots played against the Sea Dogs up at Hadlock Field earlier this season, Brandon, and I didn't walk away that afraid of this Sea Dogs lineup. I didn't walk away that afraid of their pitching staff, uh, whether it be their starting rotation or their bullpen. You know, th there are a couple of impressive arms, uh, specifically in that bullpen that I walked away from. Uh, Jose Adamas, who's at the back end of their bullpen, uh, he's been one of their closers this year. He was uh, electric, struggles with his command, uh, sort of a, you know, a wild inconsistency to his fastball, but he could touch triple digits. He was really impressive. There's a couple other guys that came out of the pen that looked pretty strong. But by and large, you know, it's just there, there isn't much about this Portland Sea Dogs team that really jumps off the page. If, if we're talking about the lineup, Pedro Castellanos, um, he's strung together some good stretches. Ryan Fitzgerald has been a serviceable bat. Devlin Granberg got off to a high, uh, a really nice start with high A Greenville earlier this season, and, and he's been plugged into the lineup, and he's been playing pretty well. Roberto Hernandez, uh you know he's a top catching prospect in the in the Boston Red Sox organization, but by and large, there's just not a lot of names that really pop off. Hudson Potts is somebody who is a well-regarded prospect in the Red Sox organization, but he hasn't quite put it all together this year. He's still batting under 200. Um, so there's some names, uh, but you know by and large, it, it's a lineup that's not going to scare you too much. We're going to have games here that are going to be close. 
you know, the Patriots pitching staff will have opportunities to win these games. And, uh, you know, looking at this current back at this current series for the Patriots against Bowie and attributing some of that to this upcoming series against Portland, you know, Somerset's going to have their opportunities. It's just a matter of making the most of them this week. The Patriots took four of six down at Hadlock Field in Portland, Maine. They dropped the opening game and the closing game, but they took the middle four straight. You saw strong offense in an 11-3 win, a 5-4 win, an extra 7-4 as well, and then a 3 nothing shutout. I, you know, we've talked about it before, both on the podcast, Mark, and in the game broadcast. Looking at this Portland schedule the rest of the way, it is not a level playing field with who the Patriots have to play and who the Sea Dogs have to play. So for me, the way I see it is the winner of this series, if it's Portland, they very well may be able to just kind of coast the rest of the way down the stretch because they play Binghamton. That's at home. They host Reading. Then it's on the road at New Hampshire, host Binghamton one more time, and they close the series out at Hartford. The Patriots are the only team in this final stretch with an above 500 record. So do you think the way that Portland manages this is almost like a playoff series? Because, I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think so. I would say right now, you know, that Portland has the inside track on this division, and a lot of it comes down to the schedule. You know, there's been stretches like the Reading Fight and Phils have been playing well this past week against the Richmond Flying Squirrels, but there's still a team that hasn't quite put it all together this year. Binghamton is the only team that we will not see, so it's hard for us to really speak to them. They've got some significant prospects in the Mets organization, and they have been playing better since a really tough start to the year, but... You know, still a team that's significantly under 500. Hartford's been the worst team in the league so far, and uh, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats play 36 games against Portland, so, you know, they've gone back and forth throughout the course of the year. But that schedule alone gives Portland an inside track to the postseason, especially when you contrast it to the teams that Somerset still has to play. Not only do they have to play Portland, who's a tough enough opponent, but after that, on the road for six against Altoona. Come home, six against Akron. On the road for six against Bowie. They do have their final homestand against the Hartford Yard Goats, which will be an important series for Somerset to uh, to beef up a bit. And then they finish off the year in Akron. I mean, we could be looking at an end of the season, Brandon, going into that final week where there's a number of playoff spots that are up for grabs. I don't think any team is going to clinch a playoff spot you know, before that final week of the season, at least at this rate. But going into that final week, Portland has six games against the Hartford Yard Goats team that has consistently had the worst record in the league this year and was certainly not impressive when we saw them uh, back in, what is it, May. Uh, and the Patriots at the same time will be going up against the Akron River Ducks on the road. So, you know, it, there's an inequity there, but, you know, that's the way that the schedule was put forward uh, to regionalize some of the teams that are on more of the extremes geographically in the league. And, you know, that's what you have to work with this year, and the Patriots are, are fighting through it. And I would say, by and large, Patriots fans and us to an extent have enjoyed the opportunity to see every other team in the league. That's, mm -hmm. that's what we want. Uh, for Portland, that hasn't necessarily been the case, and it just so happens this year that some of the uh, weaker teams are more geographically centered closer to Portland, so it's worked out in their favor. Coming off of a series for the Patriots where they were strong early, middle of the series, they really kind of faltered, and the offense struggled. So, you know, with that in mind, what are you looking forward to in this series? For me, I think the biggest thing is how does the bullpen play out and does, do the Patriots get some reinforcements here before the series? 
Yeah, it's going to be important to watch how the bullpen plays uh, for this series. You know, for the Patriots, they got to take advantage of some of those opportunities offensively. Uh, you know, at the plate, we've seen stretches for this team where they haven't really been able to take advantage of different opportunities that have been provided for them. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, somebody like Oswald Peraza is starting to get onto another hit streak and get on base more regularly. Uh, you know, bats in the middle of the order. Dermis Garcia had a couple of home runs against Portland the first time these two teams played. Uh, but, you know, he had that torrid stretch last week with Redding into earlier this series against Bowie, but he's struggled towards the end of the series. Uh, Diego Castillo was a big part of the Patriots lineup the first time they went up against Portland. Of course, he's not on the roster anymore as well. Uh, there were pitching matchups that tended to favor Somerset. Hayden Wesneski had his best start as a Patriot against the Portland Sea Dogs, but Ken Waldachuk struggled. Luis Medina struggled as well. Um, so there's a lot that's up in the air. These are different teams than the last time that the two teams played against each other in late June. So it's it's an important series, and it's going to certainly be an interesting one to follow. The Patriots host the Portland Sea Dogs six games here at TD Bank Ballpark. You can still get your tickets if you want to come on out to the ballpark at SomersetPatriots.com. You can also call us at the box office, 908-252-0700. First pitch is at 7.05 on Tuesday night. 7.05 starts Tuesday through Saturday. It's a 5.05 start on Sunday. So we hope to see you at the ballpark. And if not, you can uh, catch all the action here on 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com as well as on MILB TV. Well, when we come back, a couple Patriots have made their way to the bigs. We will take a look at how they've done over their course with the big league bombers coming up next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. And we welcome you back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Well, Mark, I think we agree. One of the most exciting parts of this new partnership between the Yankees and the Patriots has been going on to watch these former Patriots have success at the big league level. And especially these last couple weeks, Luis Heal and Steven Ridings have really exploded on the scene. I mean, Heal, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, so the Yankees game is not final yet, but Heal has gone another five innings of scoreless baseball. To, so to start his major league career, he's 1-0, and 11 innings of work, has not allowed a run on six hits. It's been so great to watch Luis pitch. And, you know, when we saw him earlier this season, there's always been that little concern in regards to his command. Uh, but at least in his first couple of starts at the major league level, he has solved that. And uh, there's so much excitement now around this Yankee team ever since the trade deadline. But you not only do the Yankee fans get to see these new guys like Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo playing and rejuvenating that lineup, but also some of these young guys like Luis Heal, who's been such a well-thought-of prospect for such a long time. And, you know, the, the questions are still going to remain on whether he profiles as a starting pitcher long-term or whether he profiles as a relief pitcher long-term. But at least what he's done so far to go two scoreless appearances in his first two starts at the major league level, 
And what was it? 14 strikeouts over 11 innings of work? I mean, you got to be kidding me. That's that's amazing for him, and it's been such a fun thing to watch. With just three walks as well, you had mentioned that the uh, the command for him is so important, and that's really what held him back a little bit. But it seems like he has that in check. Some other numbers, and I know it's a bit of a small sample size, but they do still jump at the off the page because he's doing it at the major league level. Opponents hitting 150 against him, and the whip under one at point. Eight two. I mean, those. If he can keep that up, he is a legitimate major league starter. If he can continue on that trend, so it's really exciting to see him have his success. Another name that uh, that has done really well at the big league level these past couple weeks is Stephen Ridings, and how I mean, we've told the story before, but a guy who was um, cut. In the last minor league program that he was in with uh, with the Cubs, then working out in this past offseason and uh, gets signed by the Yankees and turned from a, a mid-90s, mid-to-low-90s fastball, touching triple digits, and now he's gone two and a third scoreless with just one hit at the big league level. Uh, he was a revelation when he was with the Patriots earlier this season. You know, we saw the frame and we saw the pop in velo and like, all right, well, you know what, there might be something here. And, you know, different reporters that would come in would see Riding's pitch and everyone just kind of would look at each other like, you know, I, we know that he hasn't pitched above low A baseball in his career, but there's there's something here. And the numbers just kept on proving himself over and over again. You know, we've already talked about the Portland series. There was an outing that he came on in Portland where he got the final outs in the eighth inning, I believe, to keep the Patriots in front or keep the game tied and then a scoreless one, two, three, ninth, and then a scoreless one, two, three, tenth with the Patriots ultimately winning the game. He was such an important part of this Patriots back end of their bullpen. And, uh, you know, then he went over to Scranton and impressed there. And now he's appeared in two games at the major league level with the Yankees. It's, it's quite literally been a meteoric rise for ridings and he hasn't allowed a run yet in a, in the Yankee pinstripes either. He struck out three batters in his first outing. And, uh, you know, it was emotional talking after the game about the late loss of his grandmother. And, uh, you know, he's an easy guy to root for. He's a New York native as well. You know, grew up and uh, played out in Long Island in high school. And uh, it, it's just been, you know, it's been fun to watch heel. And, you know, we were expecting at some point that Luis might get up to the big league level. Maybe not this year, but we knew that it was going to happen at some point. But for somebody who was completely off the radar in Steven Ridings to make the impression that he has made ha- has been just such an awesome experience this year. Just the other night, I forget what night it was for the Yankees, but they had Wandy Peralta start a game. Then Ridings was the next man. Adam I think it was Friday night. Yeah. And then I think Zach Britton closed out the game. All guys that we've seen here at TD Bank Ballpark this season, and you almost have to take a step back and pinch yourself. I mean, we've we've mentioned uh, to everybody listening, this is what the partnership means going forward, but man, to see it play out is just a, a different feeling. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you get to know these guys personally here in Somerset, and you, you see them on the mound at TD Bank Ballpark, a community ballpark in the suburbs of central New Jersey. And less than a you know a couple of months later, they're under the bright lights of Yankee Stadium, and they've got you know fifty thousand Yankee fans that are cheering behind them, going crazy, and all of the emotion that surrounds that. And you know, look for somebody like Zach Britton; he's an established major leaguer, as is Wandy Peralta, 
but still, you know, you get to see them here and it kind of humanizes them a bit. She's like, you know, these are regular guys, just like the rest of us. They're pitching here in Somerset and then they make their way back up and all of a sudden, you know, they're getting featured at Yankee Stadium and they're on Sports Center and they're all of these different things. It's like, I saw that guy a couple of weeks ago at the ballpark across the street from Target. Like, it's just, it's a new feeling, um, you know, but it's just been such a a fun ride so far this year. And it's quite a testament, too, to the level of baseball that we have here as well. I mean, we've said it from the start, but at AA, you really prove what you can do and you separate the contenders from the pretenders. And and we have certainly seen that on display this season. And uh, we also hope to have a couple more big leaguers in our back pocket this year. I mean, we know we have the prospects in Oswald Peraza, um, you know, plenty of big names here with the team. But do you think there's anyone that can make a late season push? I don't know that we really have, you know, for this year, I don't know that we have a name on the roster. Oh, that's certainly a good question. I mean, you know, the easy one to go by is, you know, we just had we Clark Schmidt made an appearance this past uh, series for the Patriots. And, you know, he's a highly regarded prospect and he was playing up at the major league level last year for the Yankees. So uh, Schmidt, certainly an opportunity. Uh, We saw two starts from Luis Severino this past week. I mean, that's an easy one, but it's hard to really count him too much Uh, in terms of Patriots players that have been here throughout the course of the season. You know, I'm, I'm, I look more so towards the pitching staff. I don't think that there's anybody uh, in terms of position players that are ready. I mean, Brandon Lockridge is a considerable prospect, as is Oswald Peraza. As Waldo Cabrera has popped out um, this season. Josh Bro is now here. But I look at somebody, you know, maybe like Ken Waldachuk or Ron Marinaccio. You know, Marinaccio, I, I'm a little surprised still at this point that Marinaccio hasn't gotten that call up to AAA, considering how well he's pitched here and you know, the, the combination of his fastball, his changeup, and a slider that he's been working on as well. So, you know, you, you get, like Steven Ridings, for example, you get these relief pitchers that start to stand out, and then an opportunity presents themselves, and they're able to make their way up. So I look at somebody like Marinaccio, maybe, you know, a, a crafty lefty like Ken Walterchuk could weasel his way through, but I, I don't, it, you know, it's tough to envision that so much for this season, mm-hmm. aside from, you know, Severino when he eventually gets back and Clark Schmidt. Absolutely. I mean, it's building toward the future. And I think you br- bring up a great point in Clark Schmidt, a guy who, uh, when you look at how he's viewed, is almost similar to Luis Heal. Some think he profiles better as a reliever, and he's been in that role a bit, although he's coming up as a starter, so maybe can have a similar impact. I mean, he's already had a little bit of an impact at the big league level, and coming out of, or going into spring training, I should say, the Yankees were certainly expecting him to compete for that fifth starting job. So he will have an opportunity to continue to work his way back. It'll be interesting to watch uh, maybe where he rehabs next, because he was talking about throwing in five days uh, from his last start here in Bridgewater. So that would potentially put him uh, for a Tuesday start, although we're not sure where he might be for that start. It would certainly be fun to see him one more time here at TD Bank Ballpark. But that's it for the Patriots. So let's check in with the rest of the Yankees affiliates with the Farm Report. It was another week for the Tarpons that was mired by rain. This week, on the road, taking on the Jupiter Hammerheads, the low-A affiliate of the Miami Marlins. Tuesday's game was rained out, and that necessitated a doubleheader and even a cancellation later on in the week, 
as Tampa has somewhat struggled against the Hammerheads, dropping three out of the first five games of the series. On a Wednesday doubleheader, Tampa won the first game 2-1 behind a strong outing from Beck Way, but Jupiter struck back with a 7-6 victory in Game 2. On Thursday, just one game, an 8-1 victory for Tampa behind Blas Castano, who picked up his first win of the season, but then Jupiter has won each of the last two nights. On Friday, a 9-7 victory for the Hammerheads, and then a 4-2 win on Saturday. Ryder Green has started the plate for the Tarpons throughout the week, hitting an even 500, 7 for 14 at the plate with two doubles. While Jason Dominguez has struggled a little bit, the week has also been highlighted by the low-A debut for 2021 Yankees first-round pick Trey Sweeney. So far, Sweeney is 0 for 12 at the plate, but he has walked twice and struck out five times and has a stolen base. The Tarpons enter play on Sunday 30 games above the 500 mark, still first place in the low-A Southeast West Division, six and a half games ahead of the Bradenton Marauders. After a two-week road trip, Tampa returns home this week to take on the Clearwater Threshers. With this look at the Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. The Renegades ended their home series against Wilmington with a range-shortened victory last Sunday before heading to Brooklyn to visit the Cyclones. Three pitchers combined on a one-hitter on Tuesday night to win 5-0. Randy Vasquez struck out 10 over six innings. The Gades won their third in a row on Wednesday as four pitchers combined on a three-hitter. And Anthony Volpe's sack fly in the seventh was the difference in a 3-2 win. Thursday was the 100th anniversary of the first baseball broadcast, and the occasion brought our microphones on the road for the first time since 2019. Hudson Valley won the contest 5-3 on the strength of a four-run sixth inning, including a double by Kyle McDonald. And it's driven to left center field, off the bat of McDonald. That'll split the defenders. One hop off the wall. One run is already scored. Turning at third, here comes Dunn. To second with a double is McDonald, and the Renegades take a 4-2 lead. Also of note was the coverage of the hot dog race, featuring two members of the Hudson Valley Traveling Party, Zach Neubauer and Spencer Pierce, as called by Sean Adams. This is going to be a close one. Mustard lead. Ooh, a collision with ketchup and mustard right there at the finish. It looks like Mustard took the win, ultimately, although ketchup is trying to plead for the case. What else could you expect from our very own Zach? The winning streak ended on Friday as the Cyclones scored five in the sixth and won 9-6. Austin Wells had a triple and two RBIs in the loss. A Jeremy Vasquez home run on Saturday propelled Brooklyn to a 5-4 win. The Renegades have gone homerless since last Sunday at Dutchess Stadium when they hit three long balls. They returned to the Hudson Valley for two weeks beginning on Tuesday. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. Scranton Wilkesbury hosting the Worcester Red Sox this week at PNC Field. And for the last couple of weeks, the Rail Riders have had a limited roster. For a while, skipper Doug Davis was limited on the position player side of things. This week, pitching really became shorthanded as the Yankees needing to call up Luis Heal, Stephen Ridings, and Brody Kerner, two starters and a key reliever for the Rail Riders. It's necessitated the need of some promotions from A-ball and double-A, Kevin Gadea made his AAA debut Thursday night, going three shutout innings, striking out three Woo Sox batters. On Friday, we had the return of Josh Maciejewski. Magic, as they call him, got a start. Allowed eight hits, two runs, but gave the Rail Riders a much-needed boost with five innings in a spot start. Both Thursday and Friday's games decided in 11 innings. 
On Saturday, the Rail Riders went up against big league rehabber Chris Sale. Brian Keller got the spot start, went three shutout innings with five strikeouts. Then Sean Boyle up from Hudson Valley, making his AAA debut, five strikeouts, four hits allowed, one walk, over four scoreless innings. The week has also been marked by Brandon Wagner making his first ever pitching appearances. Wagner called upon for one scoreless inning of relief in Tuesday's series opener, a 7-2 loss, then needed again on Friday night in extra innings. Ultimately took the loss, but trying to help the Rail Riders pitching staff as best he possibly could with limited number of bodies available. The Yankees' director of pitch development, Desi Drusha, was in town, and he gave his take to the local media on a position player pitching. Uh, he was concerned about his NFX, which is a, a metric that we look at with all of our pitchers, but I told him we're not concerned with that. We just want outs. And he gets outs, man. We turn the track man off. We don't need that. Like I said, it's all results. I, I don't care what it looks like. You just get results. I, I did get a chuckle, though, out of the, the fan yelling, throw it like you mean it, the other night. It did make me laugh. <laughs> Through two appearances this week, Wagner's given up one run unearned. It was in the 11th inning on Friday night and has a spotless ERA. Here's Saturday's spot starter Brian Keller talking about Wagner's approach to it all in the clubhouse after the fact. He was just saying how sore his left leg is from, uh, you know, from not doing that motion ever before, really. But yeah, no, he's been great. He did a really good job out there. Lehigh Valley's in town starting Tuesday. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Well, the strong play continues around the Yankees organization. Everybody starting up for the playoff push. Can't believe that it's already upon us. Here in Bridgewater, the Patriots host the Portland Sea Dogs, a six-game set with a 7.05 start on Tuesday night. Be sure to get your tickets at SomersetPatriots.com or give us a call at 908-252-0700. We hope to see you at the ballpark. For Mark Schwartz, this is Brandon Pelter saying so long and enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.